Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. Today's episode is a little different and so I thought I'd jump on today to give a little introduction to what this is going to be all about. Uh, just so you know what to expect uh, before I get into the interview that will be the episode. We talk a lot in this episode about being in the middle. And being in the middle, I think, means that often we feel a part of the silent majority. And I think that being a part of the silent majority often comes from us not knowing what to say with sometimes situations that may be awkward or uncomfortable. And because we either one, don't want to say the wrong thing or say something and unintentionally offend or say something that all of a sudden means something different to another, what do we do? We stay quiet. And so one of my goals of this podcast is to be able to help us be more informed and more understanding of perspectives other than our own. And I think as we do that, we become better citizens and ultimately just better people that are compassionate, loving, understanding. And we talk about that understanding comes from whether it's a historical perspective that changes the way we think about a current topic or talking to someone whose experience changes the way we feel that's not our own. And so we can learn a lot from that. Now, with that said, that's not something that's always going to be strictly political. While a lot of these conversations we have are going to be specific to politics and we'll talk about the election and we'll talk about the different issues that are debated, there are also going to be some stories that we tell here in the Millennial, Millennial in the Middle podcast that are human interest stories, that are feel-good stories often. And this is what that is. This is what we have for you today. Um, I'm going to do an interview today with Rick and Mindy Guyman. And they have a daughter with Down syndrome who has also battled leukemia and just won the battle of leukemia and is now cancer free as of just a few weeks ago. And so I'm going to have them tell their story today. And I think we all know someone that has a disability or has children with disabilities. And it's often hard to know how to handle those situations how to say the right thing, how to interact in a way that's respectful and loving that matches your character. And I've been pretty fortunate because in my life, I have had a lot of opportunities to work very closely with people that have special needs. And for whatever reason, I've had several people that I've had the chance to build very close relationships in my life that have Down syndrome. And it's a community that I personally feel very connected to. Uh, if you have spent much time with those with disabilities, especially those with Down syndrome, you know they have a very special spirit about them that it makes you feel better every time you're around them. And that's definitely been my experience. My first was in middle school. I started working with uh, kids that had disabilities. Uh, one of my first buddies, I was a counselor to him, but I think really he was more of a counselor to me, was Tim Van Skyhawk, Timbo. And uh, I had the chance to be able to weekly go to an event and activity with Tim. And uh, kind of an interesting side note, we helped Tim earn his Eagle Scout. Uh, in the Boy Scouts organization, if you have a disability, there's no age limit on when you can get your Eagle. So Tim was in his 30s earning his Eagle Scout, and that was like, 
one of the coolest accomplishments, greatest accomplishments of his life. I'm not an Eagle Scout myself, but I feel like being a little bit involved in what he did uh, really was something that I cherish and I still cherish that relationship. And I especially cherish this relationship that I'm about to share with you today with Rick and Mindy Guyman, specifically as we talk about their daughter, Tessa. So enjoy. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll have a fun time doing this. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a really cool episode tonight of Millennial in the Middle. Uh, I have been excited about this one from the start of this podcast. It's been kind of in my mind for a little while now, and I'm so excited that we were able to do this with Rick and Mindy Guyman, uh, who I'll introduce you to. We're in a little different spot tonight. We are obviously socially distanced and uh, you're coming from your home. I'm coming from mine. So we may not have as good of audio quality or video quality tonight, but I think what you're going to find is the quality of this family and the quality of this story is going to make up for all of that and more. So we're excited to do it. Rick, Mindy, thanks for joining. How are you tonight? We're good. Yeah, thanks fantastic. for having us. You know, I met Rick. Uh, I work with Rick at the company I'm at, Gig. I met Rick a couple years ago now and uh, was first so impressed with just Rick's mentality and perspective. And very quickly, I learned about uh, your family situation. And so tell us quickly, you've got how many kids? Five. Yeah. Five kids. They're all in bed. They're all, yes. This is the latest. Are they all sleeping? No, that's un, that's <laughs> unknown, but they're all in bed. We decided to do like a late night podcast tonight. So this yeah. is like the late, late show after the kids have gone to bed. Tonight. <laughs> but, uh, I don't, you don't need to worry. There is going to be any raunchy content, right? After the late show. But uh, so you've got five kids and I learned pretty quickly your fourth, uh, your fourth child, Tessa, mm-hmm. uh, you just had a daughter recently. Uh, was born and was diagnosed and has Down syndrome. And I, and when I met you, Rick, you were in the middle of not only does Tessa have Down syndrome, but she was in the middle of battling leukemia and intense battle and intense fight. And I was so impressed to be able to quickly, uh, I feel like family, right? That this quickly became that setting. And you know, I, I personally, this, what we're going to talk about tonight is something that I feel very passionate about. It's something that has always been a part of my life in as early as like middle school. I was involved in programs where I was around a lot of different kids my age that had disabilities and specifically those with Down syndrome. I just frankly have always felt this personal connection and this personal tie to, and obviously immediately felt that with Tessa and your story. And I'm really excited to kind of share this with the world or to all our listeners tonight of this story of kind of hope, of inspiration. And I love that what you two are all about is spreading that, spreading that light, spreading that hope. And anyone that comes in contact with you and your family, I think feels that. And so that's my goal tonight is to help others feel that. You're nice. I think um, sometimes we're so passionate about it that we might be a little bit on the annoying side, but I'll take it. So bit. thank you for the kind words. <laughs> yes, thank you. So let's jump into this. First off, before we tell like your individual stories, um, there was a statistic that I learned from the two of you that frankly blew my mind. I didn't know. I Here I had been around a lot of people in my life that had Down syndrome. And when I heard this, I, like it, this hurt. And I couldn't even just imagine this statistic. And 
I would guess that most people don't know about this. And I've asked you to kind of start on this note to kind of set the, set the scene for tonight. But go ahead and talk about how most doctors talk about those that early on think there may be a possible diagnosis of your child before birth having Down syndrome. Awesome. Do you want to do that, Mint? Um, yeah. So uh, the statistics on, on abortions for um, babies with Down syndrome before they're born are, are really high. And it's something that I didn't realize either until we had Tessa. Um, and I think the amount of misinformation that not only comes from the world, but also from doctors and Google, you know, is, is kind of what sets the tone for these diagnoses. When these parents are getting this diagnosis for their child, they don't know what life looks like and they're getting this information from their doctors. Or even after we had Tessa, we went to Google and, you know, Google, as we all know, is definitely not the place to go to find truth for the most part, right? There's, um, as far as living your life and having these experiences, it's not necessarily accurate to the experience that you're going to have raising a child with Down syndrome. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree there. I think, I don't think it's necessarily always malicious on the doctor's part. Like there, there was even one doctor that we saw after Tessa was born um, I think for one of your checkups afterward, and and he had a sibling with Down syndrome, and he kind of looked at us and 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 kind of apologized that we had had a child with Down syndrome. And after he left the room, we were like, "Did he even get to know his sibling?" They're really hard not to love, you know. And so I think what we found out was, um, you know, depending on the country, the number of the the percentage of babies with Down syndrome that are that are aborted is incredibly high. Um, Germany, for example, it's 90%. France, it's 77. Um, Denmark, it's 98. Iceland, it's basically 100%. They don't have a huge population there, so that's not a high number, but still the idea is that when you get a diagnosis from your doctor with Down syndrome, it is very, probably the most common response from the doctor is, it looks like your baby has trisomy 21 or Down syndrome when would you like to terminate the pregnancy? And that happens in places you wouldn't think it happens. In, you know, in Utah, where we're, we're known for being prolific baby makers here, right? Big families and all of these things. <laughs> You're helping. Yeah. It happens here too. And, and, and I think the doctors, they, they look at the diagnosis and say, okay, I, I know that you, you're going to have a baby with Down syndrome, and that means that you're 50% likely that it's going to need heart surgery right away. You're 75% likely that it's going to have hearing problems. You're 60% likely it's going to have vision problems. You're 1% it's going to have leukemia. There's, there's, there's a litany of things that can come with, with Down syndrome just because of the Down syndrome, and they look at it as a diagnosis. And they say, okay, you're, you as a parent are going to be dealing with all of these things. Therefore, when do you want to terminate, right? Um, uh, yeah. what they, Most doctors yeah. say that. Yeah, and and it's crazy because because what happens is what what we did. So we we were kind of lucky in and and blessed in a way because we didn't know Tessa was a was a birth diagnosis, right? So we didn't know that beforehand that she was going to have Down syndrome. So we didn't do any testing. Mindy was thirty years old at the time, and and 
eight, you know, about 18 out of every thousand babies or something like that is born with Down syndrome at that age. When a baby is uh, born with Down syndrome, it, it's largely correlated to the age of the mother. So basically, the younger you are, the less likely you are to have a baby with Down syndrome. The older you are, the more likely you are. So by the time you're 45, it's like one in 30 versus one in 900. But what's interesting is I know a lot of young mothers who have their first child born with Down syndrome. So it's, um, you know, yeah. these, these misinformations that are, are getting, you know, spread that in the community we know, but outside of the community aren't necessarily corrected. Yeah. And so what we did and what we found was when we went to Instagram and we found other people our age that were living with a child with Down syndrome. And we said, this is where we're going to find what life can be like. I'm obviously not a huge Instagram user. Mindy is, Mindy is very good at that and, and has really kind of guided that part of our, of our story almost, you know, solely. So anyway. Yeah. So tell me this quickly before we jump into kind of your story of specific to maybe those that don't understand fully what it means to have down syndrome or what like the effects of that are like what what really you know trisomy 21 or down syndrome what does that mean how does that play out in a person's life so um physically there are a few things that people with down syndrome will will most likely or definitely be facing uh hypertonia is low muscle tone and that just makes it harder, you know, a lot of times, sometimes they'll walk right on track uh, as their typical peers. But, um, you know, for Tessa, she didn't start walking until she was three and a half. And she had obviously some other health issues going on that I think made it really hard for her to um, walk that early, but um, just the low muscle tone. And it doesn't only affect like the physical part, but it also affects their lungs and um, you know, they have a hard time breathing. Sometimes Tessa was taken home on oxygen for about six weeks. And that's pretty typical for these kids with Down syndrome. Um, cognitive development is affected as well. Um, Speech. Um, uh, so m- maybe to answer, also to answer your question kind of on the, on the diagnosis side. So basically what it is, trisomy 21 is an extra copy of the 21st chromosome. So basically the rest of us have 46, right? Two, two copies of, I mean, a pair of each of 23 chromosomes. Uh, children with trisomy 21 have three of the 21st chromosome. And there are different types of Down syndrome. So most people don't know that either. There's actually three types that are, um, there's um, translocation, there's what's called mosaicism, and then there's trisomy 21. Okay. So, so in your case, it was kind of unique because you didn't, you didn't know, see any of these markers or you didn't know that before. And so this was a surprise in the operating room. Just had a baby, had your fourth child. I know you've told me this story. I think I learned so much. And, you know, really those listening can learn so much from your first thoughts, your first experience, just being real with this. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that day. Well, we were, so first of all, Mindy and I had very different responses to, to Tessa's birth. Um, Tessa was, before she was born, she was really breech, right? So she, was, she wasn't upside down in the womb. And so we went in not knowing we were going to have 
the baby that night, right? So Mindy was having some contractions. It was about time for the baby to be born, but they were totally different than contractions that she'd had on the previous three. So she knew what she was talking about, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the first rodeo here. She was like, this doesn't feel the same. Um, and there are some great details that I will spare you uh, that are that are fantastic. It's but nice to me. <laughs> but essentially, what happened was show. maybe it's okay tonight. No, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. But but what ended up happening was she had never had a C-section before, and and she was having the contractions. The 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 nurse kind of came in, and they were you know doing their checkup and saw she was dilated. And as they were checking, they said, "Oh, I feel a foot." So Tessa was climbing out whether or not we liked it, right? But the wrong direction. So they said, we're not going to be able to deliver this baby. It's going to have to be via C-section. So five minutes later, Mindy's in the operating, in the operating room. I'm getting dressed in my gown and we go, and we go in. And, and yeah, maybe you can take it from there. Um, yeah, and I think, I think the reason for that backstory too is because it was just everything about that experience was so different than what we'd had before. Um, including after having the baby. You know, we had Tessa. Um, they were able to get her out safely, and I was doing well. And typically in our other deliveries, the nurses and doctors are excited, and they're, you know, oh, look at her. She's got, you know. Mom's eyes. Mom's or, eyes. Yeah. She's got brown hair. She's, oh, look at all that hair. Whatever, you know, they, they're talking about the baby. And it was silent, and no one said anything. It was just silent. And I just, you know, we were in a sterile environment, yeah. being in the operating room and all of that. And I thought, something feels so strange. And I just thought, maybe, you know, it's just because we're in this weird environment. It's not, we're not in the labor. labor. Yeah, maybe this is what C-sections are like. This is what it's like, <laughs> you know. And I, I had expected them to hold her up and show her to me, you know, over the the cloth and things. And, and they didn't do that. They took her right away and... Uh, got her cleaned up and eventually they gave her to Rick and he got to hold her, but I was still getting stitched up. And, um, you know, I was like, Rick, what does she look like? I'm dying. Like, I want to be able to see her and I want to hold her. And this is, you know, terrible to have just had this baby and then not get to hold her. Um, anyway, he, he sits for a while and he says, well, she looks different than our other kids. She doesn't look like our other kids. And I said, okay whatever, that's fine. You know, that's, that's totally fine. And he, he said, she looks a little downsy. Uh, note here. That is not politically correct. I didn't, we I, didn't know. I didn't know what to say, but I had been around like you, Connor. I had spent a lot of time in high school and junior high and in church groups and things around people with down syndrome. And I loved them to death, but I, I didn't know, you know, and when she closed her eyes, it was really interesting when her eyes were, when her eyes were open, she looked like she had down syndrome to me, but when they were closed, I like, I didn't see it quite as much. Right. So she's looking at me and I say, she looks a little downsy and Mindy goes, what? And then she closed her eyes and I said, well, maybe not. You know what I mean? Cause it looked different to me when they were open versus when they were closed. She looked a lot like baby Yoda who is the cutest character, but she, like we've since created, you know, our own family meme with baby Yoda next to Tessa as a baby. And just those big, she's that eyes, cute. Like, yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Anyway. So, so I handed her once Mindy was done getting stitched up and, and cleaned up and things I handed her to Mindy to hold. And 
as they wheel us to the recovery room, right? And when we get in there, Mindy says to me, the nurses were typing on the computer, you know, entering the stuff in as we're just getting into the room. Yeah. And Mindy said, you know what? She does look a little downsy. And the nurse kind of turned and looked at us and she was kind, she wasn't mean, but she said, who, who told you guys? Like, who told you this baby has? I said, no one. And immediately we, we knew. We knew. When she said that, we were like, oh. oh. We were just kind of having conversation. We didn't really know that that was actually what was happening. Um, but apparently, so the nurses and the, these doctors, they can't diagnose Down syndrome. They're not allowed to. The pediatrician has to do it. So the OB can't do it and the nurses cannot do it. Um, but I guess because we said something, she, she thought, oh, well, someone had said something to them. And she said to me, right? So she, she said, you know, we, she does have all of the markers for someone with trisomy 21. So some of the markers are at what's called a simian crease, which is here in the palm of your hand. It's one solid crease straight across. And another thing is there's a space between their big toe and their second toe. And they're typically, the back of their heads are flatter. There's a little bit more uh, fat kind of at the base of their neck. They're... Um, what are some of the other ones? The almond well, the you know, eyes, the eyes the and the, eyes is a very common. You know, and so and so all of those things. Tessa had all of them, and so they kind of knew, but they weren't allowed to say anything yet. So she said, "The it looks like she has it, but the pediatrician is the one that has to diagnose it, and he will be in in a couple of hours." Now this is two in the morning, so we're thinking four ish. He came about eight. We decided he pulled his hand cart from somewhere close by. And, you know, kind of took his time there. Um, but by the time he got there, we... We knew. Yeah, there wasn't really any question in our minds. I remember telling Rick, we can wait for the pediatrician, but I know, like, I know she has Down syndrome. So, you know, and I, my feelings were just fear. Like, I loved her and... I was so happy she was here with us, but I was so scared. I was so scared. And I remember telling Rick, I can't do this. We had just lost his dad three months before. Yeah. And suddenly, yeah. suddenly. And, and so it was like, for real, like this is happening right now. This is what we're facing. And I just said, I can't, I can't do it. And, huh. First cry of the night, it'll probably be more. Um, Rick grabbed my hand and he said, yes, we can. We can do this. We can and we will. This is our baby. We can do it. And I think from that moment on, you know, I was like, okay, we can. Um, that's not to say that there aren't challenges, um, but you just have to face it one day at a time. What we, what we wish we would have known um, is that we wish the doctors would have said something like, congratulations. Yeah. It's going to be a different experience. And the coolest part about this whole, one of the coolest parts about this whole story is the doctor that was supposed to deliver us was actually, um, and I say us, but we're very clear that I have nothing to do with the <laughs> delivery, but okay. Mm -hmm. So the one that was supposed to deliver Tessa was actually a neighbor from my neighborhood where I grew up. And the day after she was born, he was the one on call. And so he came around to do rounds and, and he waited until the evening for us. And he spent two hours in, in, the, in the hospital room with us and, and explained how his younger sister 
had severe disabilities and he took care of her after his parents died. He and his wife took care of her until they moved into my neighborhood when I was 17 or so. And so he said, yes, there will be challenges and yes, it will be different. He said, but he was the one that said to us, congratulations. He was the one that said, this is going to change you guys and your whole family and everyone that knows her in really wonderful and incredible ways. And, and it was really just kind of him and my mom that, that had that perspective for us. A lot of, you know, people didn't, most people don't know what to say when you say you have a child with Down syndrome, just like they don't know what to say when you say your child has leukemia. It's, it's a very similar thing. And, and it's not similar at all, which is, the, which is the interesting part. What we wish we had known was that we were now part of the best club that we never knew we wanted to be a part of. Yeah. The, the, the community, the people, the joy is unbelievable. Well, I think that story is so cool. Of, and you've explained before, like almost feeling that, oh, sorry for your loss, right? Yeah, or yes. like that this was this sad thing, but changing that perspective of, no, this is unique. It's maybe a little different, yeah. right? But it's fantastic. It can be yeah. awesome. And, and I love how you said, you know, going to Google wasn't where you found what life was going to be like with Tessa. It all of a sudden became social media was this really positive way to see, you know, there are a lot of accounts out there that are parents showing what life is like with exactly. children with Down syndrome or with, you know, lots of disabilities. Any disability, yeah. Yeah. That, and all of a sudden that has become this tight-knit community that I have got to like peek <laughs> in and see a little bit over the last couple of years. I tell all of my friends, I'm like, I was looking at your Instagram account recently and looking at our mutual friends and I'm like, I know those 30 people don't know you, but they, they follow you because <laughs> of me, right? But I think that's the thing. Like they see those posts, they see what you're putting out and it is light. It's hope. I can't tell you how many times personally I have looked at your Instagram feed and let's face it, we get on social media and it's a lot of crap right? I mean, this is a podcast that often is about politics, right? And like, man, we, there's a reason we turn it off. And all of a sudden you see Tessa and your family pop up on the screen and it is a break from that. And it is what we need. And so that has become a lot of what you have tried to do, right? In that perspective of sharing, you know, sharing with all of us, which you don't have to do, but sharing with us, you know, the light of Tessa. And so tell me a little bit about starting that Instagram page and what is some of the experiences that have come about because of that? Um, so yeah, when we had Tessa, I had a few friends say, oh, you need to start following this person and this person and on Instagram and, and following strangers, people that I didn't know was very foreign to me. And so at first I was like, Oh, I feel a little, a little awkward, you know, like looking yeah. into their lives and I don't know them. Um, but as I started to do that, I found like, like you said, truth in what really, what it really means raising a child with down syndrome or with special needs. And so, um, you know, I, there were, there are plenty of accounts out there, lots of amazing people. And I just thought they're going to take care of it. They're going to take care of it. I'm, I am just going to continue raising Tessa and. And some of these accounts have hundreds of thousands of followers. It's not like these are small accounts either. Like they're doing an incredible job. An right? amazing job. And so we kind of go eh, with our, at the time. I didn't feel super comfortable, <laughs> you know, sharing. I'm, I'm a shy person. So to put myself out there just seemed, um, you know, 
against my personality. Um, but I just kept feeling a nudge to, um, start this account. I just kept feeling this prompting that I needed to start it. And so in December of, uh, I think it was like three years ago, um, I just thought, well, I'll just start this. And then that way I can, you know, share about Tessa and kind of start a journal start writing about what our lives are like, the difficulties that we're finding. Um, and it was a wonderful way to, to get involved with the community because then these people see your account and they see Tessa and, and then all of the, you know, you just kind of form these friendships online. And, um, you know, eventually a few months later, she was uh, diagnosed with leukemia. And that's when I really felt like, okay, wow, this is a different experience than even within that community. It's about a 1% chance. That we can share <clears throat> with others. And, um, you know, just like with the diagnosis of Down syndrome, if someone faces that leukemia diagnosis in the future can look to Tessa and what we've experienced and see kind of what to expect a little bit. You know, like every, everybody's experience is going to be different. But I just felt like, okay, I think this is a big reason why we were meant to do this and why we felt that, um, you know, kind of prompting to start the account. Um, and, you know, it's, it's incredible. I really do feel like God has stepped in a lot for us and connected us with certain people um, for a purpose. Uh, we had... Oh, <laughs> a friend um, who we had connected to on social media who has a child with Down syndrome. So she was like the first one, one of the <clears throat> first ones you followed, right? Oh, are you, um, yeah. So yes. So um, there's, there's quite a, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like how many we've been able to connect with um, little, little Indy. Is that who you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, so we became friends with, uh, her name is Tara and she has a little daughter named Indy and, um, two months older than Tessa. Yeah. One of the very first accounts that Mindy found of, Hey, here's what life is like with down syndrome. And day one, Mindy came to me and said, I love this little girl and this little family. And it was the same kind of thing. Like you go to their feed and you just see her smile and just how sweet she is. And I would show her picture to like all of our family members. You have to see this little girl. She's the cutest thing. And she reminds me of Tessa, you know, their, their personality traits and things. And anyway, um, we ended up getting diagnosed and getting admitted right to the hospital. On, on Halloween, on Valentine's day. It's the same to me on Valentine's day of 2018. Yeah. And then they were her little Indy was diagnosed and admitted to the hospital the next day. The next day. Um, and then we had another friend who we had also connected with. Well, actually, I think we met them after in the hospital. Um, they have a little boy named Edward who, so right now, he, they've, they've all been through so much. Um, Edward had AML. There's two types of leukemia. Tessa has, or had, I like to be able to emphasize that, had ALL, um, and Edward had AML, and Indy had AML as well. Edward has now gotten ALL. So, so basically, AML, Edward and Indy had AML, and Tessa had ALL. She was the only one. 
they both went through the full treatment. They've both, um, Indy has, has a really incredible story. Um, but then Edward finished his treatment and was it 11 months later? I think almost a year, but not quite a year. Yeah. Was then diagnosed with what Tessa had. So Edward has had both. Right. And, um, and I've been able to talk with her mom with, or with Edward's mom a lot as she's been going through the ALL treatment. Cause it's very different than the AML treatment. And we have another friend who we connected on Instagram who we had never met. And she sent us the most amazing, like this big, um, board, like, that had all these uh, busy activities for Tessa. Like While she was in the hospital. Spent hours on this and sent it to our house. And fast forward a year or two, and now she has ALL as well. And so we've been able to connect that way and um, just, you know, support each other and not feel so alone. Because I think when you're already in the minority of having a child with special needs, and then add on top of that another life-threatening um, circumstance. It just makes you feel very alone. And so to be able to connect with these families has been truly a lifesaver. And I just want nothing more than to be able to help other people and to be able to have them look at Tessa and see, you know, what we what she went through was incredibly hard but to see her now and thriving and healthy is just it's a miracle and i would yeah. say it, there are parts of of having a child with down syndrome i think that are that are easier than people with other disabilities right i think i think where it would be the hardest is having a child where people can't look at them and know they have a disability you know, and I think there's this silent group of people that feels totally alone and they get chastised by people at the supermarket because their child's behaving some way or they get, you know, and, and when, when, if you really get to know what's going on in people's lives, I think the vast majority of people would say, your life's hard. I'm yeah. glad I don't have your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? No matter what, no matter what you might have, it's, it's, I think our, our trials and our tribulations are kind of custom to what we can handle, you know? Yeah. No, I, I love that. And this kind of segues into what I wanted to ask about next was, you know, you are, have been gracious enough to share your experience with, with the world in a lot of sense, right? With a lot of people from all over that don't know you from Adam, but know that account and have gotten that, gotten that uh, inspiration. And I think with that, like someone like me or, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are millennials that are younger, right? And what, what advice would you give of like what, sometimes it's hard to know the right thing to say, right? Especially when someone's going through a hard time like that. You know, uh, I mean, I learned this from you very quickly. I have always said, oh, that, that Down syndrome child, right? Like I've used that phrasing and all of a sudden you teaching me, no, that... Tessa's not Down syndrome. Tessa has Down syndrome. And that little tweak of like, that doesn't define her. That's true with any disability, right? And, and I think those little things are what we need to hear. And it's hard to be able to have those conversations. That, you know, the whole point of this podcast is to have an open place where we can talk about this so that we can put our feet in other people's shoes and feel that. So, you know, that experience, like you said, in the grocery store, how do we react to that? 
No, that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good question. And I would, I would even say that's something that should be applied broadly to all humanity. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think defining people first as people would do a lot of good in this world. They're not a Democrat. They're not a Republican. They're not a (laughs) Not leftist or a rightist. You know, they're not a label. They're a human Mm -hmm. that has very individual experiences, needs, and wants. And I think the more that we lump people together, and and there have been many philosophers in the past that have have made the same statement, but I think the more that we group people and lump people together, we in a way do damage to them, right? Like every person is different. And so I think we would say, you know, of Tessa that she, Tessa has Down syndrome. She's a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Tessa is also, uh, you know, you don't say that autistic child, you say a child that's on the autism spectrum or a child that, you know, has autism or things like that. When, when the same thing, this person who happens to be a, a left leaning or a, you know, whatever it might be, they're people first. I think that's kind of the methodology behind that. It's not, it's not necessarily just that it's just opening it up to recognize that we are all people and humans and in the same human family and recognizing that. And I think just by doing that for other people, you will then in turn respect and love them more because you yeah. first realize what you have in common. And that's the vast majority of things. There might be think, things that you think about differently. You might perceive the world differently, but you, you are both humans with blood running through your veins, with a, with a mother and a father, whether they're here or not, whether they're, they've been around in your life or not, you are people. And, and our goal should be to, to help and um, kind, of, kind of move the human race along rather than, than define us by some small characteristic of what we happen to have or do or, or be. Yeah. Yeah, my, my mom always says, my mom is full of wisdom. I, you know, it's funny. I talk about, we're always on the same page with things. I feel like shout out to my mom, right? <laughs> she always says air on the side of generosity and compassion. Yeah. And I love that, right? Like you're never going to regret being overly generous or overly compassionate. Right. right. Yeah. And I think the more you start to recognize that mentality of everyone has different experiences, they've been through different things. Through the people that you've connected with all over the world, maybe an experience or two of people reaching out to you that has been like anything that really sticks out to you of just the goal of your account of sharing that love just coming to light. Yeah, I'll, I think Mindy should answer that. I, can I t- step back just one thing really quickly on the prior question? Because I don't think I did a very good job actually answering what you asked. And here's what I would say. We've had people that have said, oh, your child, Tessa, is beautiful for a baby with Down syndrome, right? <laughs> we've, had, we've had people say, and other people just say, oh, Tessa is beautiful. And that difference, yeah. that, that difference, if you see somebody at a store who's struggling, if you see, just, just say, hey, your child is beautiful and they're lucky to have you as a parent. Just wanted you to know that. And then be okay with the fact that that child's going through something right then. And it might be in the middle of the store because guess what? The parent doesn't want that to be happening. Yeah. They're more embarrassed, obviously, than the child. And they're going to be way more embarrassed, but in a good way when you just say, hey, I want you to know you're doing a great job. If you just said that, if people would just do that and, and give people the benefit of the doubt, I think it would, it would, it would go miles and miles in a good direction. 
And I think to go with that, um, you know, when we were out and about with Tessa, we do get, we do get looks, right? We're different. People look at us. We're a circus basically because we've got five (laughs) kids. kids, So we do get a lot of attention. Um, And then when she was uh, going through chemotherapy, she was bald. So we had, you know, a child with Down syndrome who was bald and we're always wearing masks, which now you don't stand out as much. (laughs) But you did, you know. Um, we were we were doing that before. It was that's <laughs> the that's literally the only thing we've ever been like thought leaders on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um, but anyway, I think um, rather than you know, I don't mind because sometimes I catch myself staring at a fam another family if they have a child with Down syndrome. I'm I'm looking at them thinking, Ooh. <laughs> do, do they have Down syndrome? Do they not? You know, and we're always going like. Do we approach them? Like, what do we say? You know, and some people, as far as, you know, I mean, we can only speak for ourselves, but I'm a group of, you know, on on a bunch of different forums for families with kids with Down syndrome. And most people love it if they are approached and just ask questions. You know, I think always err on the side of honesty as well. You know, even, even if you have a friend who just had a child with Down syndrome, um, rather than saying, I'm sorry, um, you know, say congratulations, like we've talked about. You had a, you had a human, and, congratulations. And ask them how they're feeling about it. You know, before you kind of go into doom and gloom, how are you feeling about this? How does this make you feel? What are you, you know, how can I help you? Um, if you? If you see a person in the grocery store that is struggling with this child, you know, how can I help you? Oh, you know, if you're, if you're, even if your child is, is curious, you know, we have a little one who, you know him, he, he speaks his mind and has said and asked things to people that you just are like mortified, right? You're just like, oh no, don't, don't ask that question. But in all reality, um, we, at least I really appreciate it. If people approach me and ask the questions, I'm happy to talk about Tessa. I'm happy to talk about why she's bald or why she's wearing a mask or why she looks different. You know, I'm, I think that open conversation allows for education. So I just think that's um, a great way to approach it. Yeah. I think the tendency, the easy thing to do, you know, you're in the grocery store walking down the aisle, like you just said, is to just look away to ignore it, to not say anything. And that just doesn't feel right. You know? And I think hearing that from you, right. Of, you know, maybe it's just a smile. Yeah. You're not going to have the conversation there, but it's that, you know, just understanding and love that compassion that comes with that. Um, And I think that's so cool to see as that, as that shared, Um, you know, I kind of, I do want to get to that point of with your profile Have there been any experiences that you've had that have really stuck out to you of like confirming this is why I, this is why I have this account or this is why I'm so glad I'm sharing this and doing it? Yes, for sure. Um, Like I was saying, uh, I've told people this before. Sometimes it's overwhelming and it's uncomfortable for me to share that much about our lives and, and be that vulnerable. Um, but it's pretty incredible. There'll, there'll be days when I'm just like, okay, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't, it's too much. I've got, you know, these five kids. By I have to it, take care she of. means Instagram. 
just so we're all on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep continuing sharing about our family. Um, and uh, anyway, it, it will be one of those days that I'll get a message from somebody. Um, I got a message once from a woman who told me that she was pregnant with a baby who um, had Down syndrome and her doctor and her husband were encouraging her to abort the baby. And, you know, she eventually um, did abort the baby because of kind of the pressure that she was feeling from them and just kind of the, the attitude toward that life that um, they were feeling and it kind of rubbed off onto her and she just thought, okay, she, you know, she felt cornered. She said that she didn't know that down syndrome was compatible with, with life. life. And we hear that a lot. Doctors will say that down syndrome isn't compatible with life. And then she gets on to our Instagram page and sees Tessa, this little girl who at the time was fighting cancer and still fighting cancer was so full of life and so full of light and joy. Um, you know, and I, my heart just broke for her because, because of her regret, because of how she was feeling, because of the misinformation that she was given. Um, she looked at Tessa and she said, you know, I look at your account and others. She, she mentioned others. And I think that could have been what I could have had, you know? And so I just think, wow, if, if Tessa can do that for one, one person, it would all be worth it. If she could save one life um, and change one person's mind about what it means to have a child with Down syndrome, uh, it would so be worth it. And I've had other messages. I had another message just the other day that, that someone said, you know, you've changed my perspective of Down syndrome. I have messages that people send and say, you know, and I'm not saying this to say that I like do all of this good, but it's just, it, and, and in all honesty, it's, it's Tessa, it's not me. It's, you know, her smile and her light that she shines and people will say, you know, I had a really, really bad day. Something terrible in my life happened and I happened to get on and I have to check your account because I have to see Tessa's smiling face and it just brightens my day. And I think it's so worth it. If I can, you know, if we can change that perception of what having a child with Down syndrome is, it is so worth it to me. And if we can brighten people's lives, it is so worth it to me. Yeah, I, I love that. I, you know, I think it's interesting because the whole, my whole thought in starting this podcast, right, is I think a lot of us just stay quiet right? When, when a lot, we all have experiences, we have things that we've gone through. Everyone's tough is different, right? Like we have life experiences that other people can benefit from. But I think often in society, we're told not to share that, not to speak up. And I think you both are such good examples of you have light to share and you've done that. And so, you know, to, uh, to end this on a positive note, we said earlier, Tessa had leukemia, 
We just had the party of beating leukemia for the update. Um, there was the, it was the COVID friendly drive-by parade. This is the greatest show, right? Yep. Her yep. favorite show, which is awesome. And uh, anyway, I just, I, if you are looking for a little bit of that, go follow this account. I'll tell you, it's Gaiman Tribe, G-U-Y-M-O-N Tribe. And that's what it is. It's a tribe, it's a family, and we're all in this together. Uh, Anything you two want to close up with? You want me? <laughs> no, no. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, we're, we're grateful anytime uh, to talk to people about how wonderful uh, both having, having children and having even children when they come different than what you expect. I, I also want people to know that it's okay to mourn the baby you thought you were having. Don't feel guilty about that. We didn't know, right? It, we, we didn't know we were going to have Tessa. And, and I think in the beginning, Mindy, like Mindy said, she, she loved her to death. She would do anything for her, but she mourned this life where she wouldn't constantly be worried about her health. Um, it's okay. It's okay to have the feelings and, and, and they will change over time. You know, it, as you get used to it, we all, we all go through those things. And, and, if, if, if you know someone or see someone or are someone who's having, you know, this kind of an experience of a child with disabilities, we would love to be the first ones to say, congratulations, welcome to the, you know, the best club that you never knew you ever wanted to be a part of. It's incredible here. I like that. And thanks for allowing us to be to look into the club and feel a little <laughs> bit a part of that too even though we may not be official we feel a part of it and we appreciate that uh, rick mindy <laughs> we appreciate that so much i appreciate you coming on and doing this with me so much i it is past our bedtimes i think and the kids <laughs> stay to sleep the whole time so that's good yeah. so let's wrap this up i end every episode the same way clowns to the left me jokers to the right here i am stuck, stuck in, the in the middle, middle with you, you. All righty. We'll see you later. Thanks, Rick. Until yeah. next time. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. See ya.